All right, Scott Bass, we've got athleticgreens.com slash surf and uh, also Real Water Sports with us today. Athletic Greens, uh, I've drank and I've had my Athletic Greens intake already this morning, and it's a huge part of of my uh, move towards getting healthier, you know? Um, I'm doing a lot of workouts. I'm changing things up a little bit. I'm taking cold showers. And I'm um, taking my Athletic Greens AG1. It's a one-stop green drink that's easy to take, tastes great, and it's filled with probiotics, essential vitamins, minerals. It's organically sourced. It is a no-brainer. If there was ever a no-brainer as we drive towards a healthy lifestyle, it's the simple and easy intake of Athletic Greens AG1, athleticgreens.com slash surf nailed it i mean going and buying green juices is expensive um i have a place near me that it's like eight dollars for the small and it gets up to 14 bucks when you get the large one and it's like and you have to go get it and they take a ton of time it takes 20 minutes for them to make a juice for some reason um athletic greens it shows up at your <laughs> it shows up at your door monthly you mix the powder with the water it's simple it simplifies your life and it's kind of the best version of a greens drink. So there's no reason to kind of go anywhere else. So we're big fans. It's been a part of our life for probably almost two years now. So athleticgreens.com slash surf is the portal that supports us and supports your whole body vitality. And then I mentioned uh real water sports. You and I are going to be there in about a month, month and a half. You and I are going. Holy mackerel. That's going to be exciting. Um, man, oh man, that's going to be great. I'm looking forward to going and visiting trip and the real water sports crew and walking through their um, incredible inventory of surf gear from boards and wetsuits and leashes and fins and, and um, of course, soft goods as well. I mean, it's from what I understand, I've never been there. I talked to a friend of mine who, who uh, works for one of the companies and, and frequents real water sports. He says it's mind blowingly killer. So Looking forward to visiting and um, getting our foil on at Real Water Sports. Yeah, and we talk about their surfboard inventory, but one thing I hear from everybody who um, has worked with them is about their customer service, and I think that falls into the what we're doing. I mean, we're going and we're staying at the resort next door. They're hosting lessons for us to learn foiling, so it's not just retail. They have kind of um, a bunch of other services that they offer that kind of support everything that they do within the store which is, of course, water sports. So surfing, kiting, foiling, uh, anything you need for the water uh, and the lifestyle that comes with it is available, of course, one-stop shop, real water sports. As we see some movement at the takeoff zone, it's Kelly Slater grabbing rail, a clean entry, this thing holding open, it spits. Uh, when it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit, spits him out. Comes out after the spit, gets spat out of another good-looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got Yeah, guy. Yeah, friggin' guy. Yeah, God. David, it's a uh, feels like <clears throat> yeah, guys are bubbling up. There's um, just a lot of stoke, a lot of positivity, a lot of a lot of goodness here today on Tuesday, May the thirtieth. It's the day after Memorial Day, Monday. It's Tuesday, May thirtieth, 
Scott Bass, David Lee Scales, talking all things surf with you here on the Spit Podcast. Good morning, David. Good morning. I'm glad to hear you talk about positivity because the way I've seen it, the internet's been, it's all been controversy as far as I could tell uh, ever since the (laughs) Surf Ranch Pro ended. Um, And I'll tell you what, it made me, watching the whole thing play out, made me wish I didn't have social media. I was like, I didn't watch the Surf Ranch event and, um, you know, would have no, if they say like, Hey, if you're living under a rock, how would you not know unless you were living under a rock? I think I'd prefer to live under a rock in this scenario. I did not watch the Surf Ranch Pro, didn't miss it at all. And then all this controversy bubbles up and I'm like, um, if you didn't have Instagram, I could live outside of all of this and it really doesn't affect my surf experience in any way. The thing that's controversial is kind of there's been harbingers of the controversy coming for a long time. Like we shouldn't really be that surprised. And yet here we are fully worked up and going to discuss it for the majority of the show. I'm sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I don't really know where to start. I mean, I, I've got a bunch of places to start. I guess we'll try to keep it focused. Um, let me just say the Surf Ranch Pro, I've got it sort of broken down into the good, the bad, and the ugly. And, and I'll... I'll go through some of these things and then you can reach out to them and refer to them later. But so from my point of view, the, the good was that you could count on the event to run on time. Um, that's something that wave pools bring to the equation, which is a good thing. The surfing I watched, David, from the semifinals on was excellent. It was precise and it was sharp surfing, which leads us to sort of mm, what's next. Uh, the waves were predictable allowing for a more nuanced judging opportunity where presumably objectivity could win the day. The bad, uh, only interested really in the semifinals on. I, I wasn't watching any of it. Uh, it anything bef- pre-semifinals is sort of boring. And the bad, the waves were predictable. As with uh, when I mentioned the good, the waves were predictable, which is the exact opposite of what surfing really is. And the ugly, David, um, the Gabe Medina letter or Instagram to uh, the WSL, the fallout from that uh, Instagram post. Um, And, you know, I guess I'll just leave it there. There's a bunch of stuff that I've chimed in on, but I will let you know that I have Gabe Medina's the first bit of Gabe Medina's Instagram post in front of me. And I rewrote it. I rewrote it um, the way that I thought perhaps Gabe should have addressed this. Well, let me sum up what happened for the listeners. I've rewritten it or have I rewrote it? I've rewritten it, right? I think both work actually. So for the record, the Surf Ranch Pro ran this past weekend. Um, Griffin Colapinto and... Griffin Colapinto won over Idolo Ferreira in the final and Carissa Moore won over Caroline Marks in the final immediate. And there was a lot of um, internet buzz about Griffin's waves were overscored and Idolo's were underscored and that Idolo should have won the final. That was the general buzz from anybody who was watching the event, which like I stated, I did not watch the event. Um, I, I have since gone back and rewatched the final just so I can weigh in on the controversy and have an opinion about it, but I did not watch it in real time. But the details are that those are the people that won the event. The internet spoke up. Well, shortly thereafter, one Gabriel Medina himself 
wrote a long letter to the WSL, posted it on Instagram. And I guess Scott will read it. But ultimately, in my mind, what he was saying was, we need transparency for the judges scoring. He implied that there's a racist component that the Brazilians always seem to be the getting short-sighted by the judges. And, um, but ultimately that he wasn't saying like, Hey, you need to write the racism. Ultimately he focused most <laughs> of his discussion at, we just need transparency and kind of stating, if you give us transparency, we will surf to the criteria and win the event. And we feel as though we've been surfing exactly to the criteria and yet we're still losing the events. So we need complete transparency. Please, for the good of the sport, he said it's regressing the sport. He said some other things, but that was kind of the gist of it. Um, well, Felipe Toledo took to Instagram and supported Gabe, basically wrote some of the same stuff. Italo himself took to Instagram and supported Gabe. Scott was saying the fallout related to Gabriel's post. Well, some of the fallout is that um, Brazilian fans are sending death threats to uh the loser, you know, to, I don't, I didn't see to Griffin, but I saw to Ethan Ewing because Gabriel lost to Ethan Ewing in the, in the previous rounds. And I guess that was equally questionable, you know, that judging. So that's kind of the long and the short of it. Right. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you kind of nailed it. That was it. Um, and you know, I guess my first take on it is, um, I don't know. It's first of all, it's very sad that there's some trolls on the internet that are making death threats to Ethan Ewing. I don't know how, I mean, I guess any death threat is serious, um, but it's very simple for a 14 year old Brazilian kid to pop off and not use his, you know, well, pre it should be prefrontal should, cortex. Correct. But it should be stated that the world tour is going to Brazil. So that creates a little bit more of a s seriousness. You know? Yeah. And, no, no, and sure. by the way, sure. there have been incidents in the past. Uh, Michel Borez got kidnapped. Uh, he got thrown into a van in a previous year during the contest and thankfully was able to escape the van at a stoplight. But Connor Coffin and Carissa Moore saw somebody get gunned down at a gas station one night when they were walking back to dinner. Shane Dorian has stated in the past that he had his surfboard stolen from him at gunpoint when he was down there for the event. So there is this history of violent crime and attempted violence um, directly revolving, relating to CT surfers when they're down there. Kelly's not yeah. gone in the past because he feels the threat of the, you know, the mobs that are down there. There's so many people and it's so kind of, it's a city on the beach when they run it at Rio. So um, that creates just kind of logistical concerns for the security teams. But at any rate. Well, let me be clear. Um, uh, all of that aside, Brazil's a shitty wave. It's not a world-class wave. It's simply, there's no wave on there that everyone goes, Oh yeah, we got to go there. It's like J Bay. No, no, it's just not, shouldn't even be on the tour. And it has nothing, all of those th issues aside that you just mentioned, it's just, there's no world-class waves there. Now I'm sure there's moments just like around the world, everywhere has its moments, but Brazil's shouldn't be on the tour. So do you want to discuss, as we break this conversation down, do you want to discuss the waves, uh, Griffin versus Idolo to decide who you think should have won that heat and whether the judges were right or wrong or the controversy? What should we discuss first? 
yeah, let's just go to that first. Um, Elo versus <clears throat> Griffin in the final. It's very clear to me. I sent you side by side that uh, they have a split a split screen side by side that Tracks did that I sent you the link to. That it's it's really cool, and it's actually one of the blessings of the wave pool is that both the waves start on time. You get to see exactly what goes down. And David, I I'm hoping that you'll agree with me, but because you know, I'll, let me be clear. I want Griffin to win. I want I want the United States to win. And um, it was pretty clear to me. Not pretty clear. It was very clear that Idolo surfed better than Griffin in the final based on a split screen and based on the judging criteria. Even before the split screen. So by the way, Old Surf Dad on YouTube is the one who took the time to put this split screen together, which I think is important to note because the WS, this should have been, the WSL should do this. There's, right. I mean, it's in, it's, there's no reason why they wouldn't, not in hindsight after the controversy, but in real time for the event to be able to uh, discuss these things and avoid the controversy. Because the reality is, like you said, this wave offers a unique opportunity to be able to really parse the details. And I understand when we're running events in the ocean, every wave is different. And also the way that a heat develops generates a certain amount of drama and excitement towards the end of the heat that doesn't exist at the beginning of the heat. And so you have these kind of higher scores doled out in these critical moments because can the athlete, the wave is coming, they need the score, can they deliver the goods? So that creates an element of subjectivity that you cannot avoid as a fan, as a judge and all of it, right? It's what makes surfing unique. It would, It's what makes it actually very hard to objectively score. But all of that aside, once you run in a pool in a mechanical wave where it is so similar, it gives you brand new opportunity to kind of not lean on the excuse of subjectivity and to finally create an objective format and be able to definitively say this person did this many turns. They rode the barrel for ex exactly this long. And so the WSL should, if this is their model and their goal, and by the way, they have stated explicitly that their goal is objectivity to kind of create an actual sport out of this thing. So this is their opportunity to do that. And they have not really made an attempt to do that. They're still leaving it very subjective and that's what Gabriel Medina's complaint ultimately was about. So anyways, somebody thankfully took it upon themselves, old surf dad on YouTube to post these waves side by side. And it's clear as day, like it, based on the WSL's own criteria, it's clear as day. Italo should have won this heat. Super precise, super powerful, hitting it in the critical sections. Plenty, I guess maybe you could argue against um, variety of maneuver to a certain degree on his backhand, except that. Sure, he did four of the same turns, but then he did eight other turns, you know? So the four that you could say were the same, he did 12 total. So it really, you know, doesn't matter. Even that Long point about the ver the variety of turns, when you really get into nuance, because the wave pool offers this a bit, this our opportunity to look at things much more detailed, those turns, although, yeah, they're big backside off the lips, some have a little bit of fin drift, some are more vertical, some have fins come out, some don't, some are brought out onto the shoulder more. I think that those are different turns based yeah. on they're not exactly alike. They're not exactly like, yeah, they're vertical top turns. Guess what? Everyone's doing that. And so yeah. go ahead. I'm sorry. 
And then kind of the most important detail here is finishing the ride and finishes the ride with an explosive fin free return, you know? So, well, I think the most important detail is that he did, he attempted a high risk maneuver, not on that inside section, which to me is the overarching thing here. If you do a high risk maneuver out the back and are willing to lose the entire contest, basically at this point, yeah, uh, by perhaps falling, then you need to be rewarded on a level that's way beyond making or not making a high risk maneuver at the end of the wave. Yeah, which he did. He made it, and then he did one to complete the ride as well, which Griffin Colomento just did like a throwaway fin free thing and didn't land it at the end, so did not complete the ride. So, by any measure or metrics, including the WSL zone criteria, Idolo should have won that heat. And if you throw out the criteria and you just watch it subjectively, like Idolo won the heat, you know what I mean? Like there's no yep. two ways to kind of deep, go about got it. deeper tubes. Yep. I agree. And the more critical. Again, I want, I want to tell you that Griffin won. I, I'm rooting for Griffin. But the exactly. bottom line is if we look at it objectively, he didn't win. So, so then you have to ask yourself, especially in light of a lot of the criticisms that we've kind of leveled or pointed out at the WSL, is what is happening here? Is this complete incompetence or is this, as Gabriel Medina and some of the other people are pointing out, is this intentional? Because you can't be, it's, it's easy to say incompetence because look at all the other things that they've gotten wrong. You know what I mean? Like they get pretty basic stuff wrong all the time, but yeah. And if it was in the ocean, you can point to other details, like I said, mitigating kind of variables, subjective variables. But here, where it's this cut and dry, this clear, this, all the variables erased, then it it can't be incompetence because any way that you cut it, you would have picked Idolo. So what is going on here is the question. And uh, well, another one of the ironies is that a league that prides itself on equality is failing to judge equally. Completely. So I I really, um, it, it stinks to high heaven and I don't agree with Gabriel Medina. Like the kind of assertion of a racist uh, motivation, I have a hard time jumping on. And I think that there may be... I don't think it's racist actually though. Let me chime in there because... Yeah, let's hear it. I think there might be something there. And I think it has more to do with, and again, I'm not a, an expert in this field, but I would tell you that for the WSL to take its first steps towards being a, a, a real business that makes money, <clears throat> it needs to um, own, own the North American space or even the Northern Hemisphere space. And to do that, it benefits them to have a North American champion. And so whether it's a knock against Brazil, um, or it could have been a Costa Rican, or it could have been well, specifically uh, Brazil. a Tahitian, my point is, is that I think that there's an argument that if there is any sort of leaning one way or another, it would be a leaning towards let's create a North American champion because it's good for business. It's good for eyeballs. So Maybe you don't agree. Well, I don't disagree. I question that it's good for that. That's even kind of the 
primary focus for the business. Um, I'm not saying they are doing this either. I'm just saying well, that that so makes that, more sense to me than a Brazilian versus like a racist thing, like or so, a nationalist thing. Yeah, it's not anti-something. It's pro-something is what you're saying. Right. So let me yeah, ask it's you. it's pro-North American eyeballs. It's pro, let's make a solid business in America. And from there, we can then reach out much like the NFL and the NBA. And as they reach their tentacles, and Major League Baseball, as they reach their tentacles into the other regions of the world. So if that were true, mm-hmm. let's play it out. How does this actually you know, take hold? You have an owner of a league, Dirk, Ziff. Let's say that's his ambition. Does he give a missive to the CEO and say, fudge the numbers, push somebody through, talk to the head judge? Exactly. Exactly. So, or, or is there a meeting where he's like, we need to try to build it into American fan bases as much as we can think of strategies for doing that. And then it trickles down and subliminally works its way into the no, judges. I booth? think it's just a subconscious thing. It's a North American company. The WSL is a North American company. It's not a world league. It's run here in Los Angeles. And it's, it's an, it's a unconscious or subconscious thing that, and it's inherent in me. Like I root for Griffin, you know? And so the league, I don't think there's any, you know, um, overt bias. I think it's, it's just, it just happens. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't disagree with you. Um, I think they have just as they really get behind and, um, support the whole Brazilian storm storyline and theme. And I've seen yeah. them lean into that plenty to be able to make yeah. the counter argument and even support a lot of those Plus- people more than they look at the last two champions. Yeah. And look at the last two champions, Brazilians. Yeah. Gabe and Ilo. I mean, Gabe and uh, Felipe. Right. So then the the question, and then wasn't it Idolo, Gabe and Felipe, the last three, Felipe, the last three have been Brazilian. Yeah. Right. Is that correct? Yeah. I think so. And so in the past, um, like from the ASP days, even honestly, you would, have a controversy go down and you would actually look at the sponsors. You'd be like, okay, well it's a billabong event. The billabong guy won. And that was actually, uh, true. It wasn't even conspiracy theory. There was a lot to that. Um, and so I, that was the first place that my brain went, but they're both by, I mean, Italo is on billabong and billabong has just as much, just as much kind of, uh, invested in the WSL as Quicksilver does, which is Griffin's sponsor. And if Gabriel Medina got robbed earlier, then you'd be like, wow, well he's with rip curl, rip curl sponsors more events on tour and has more vested interest in the tour than anybody else. So I think the sponsor thing kind of theory gets thrown out pretty easily now, even though that used to be the culprit in the past. Um, so then it comes down to just, uh, I guess, I mean, I guess you've already landed on your answer, so it's not worth discussing additional theories, but I was going to suggest that diversifying the points rankings is also maybe what the WSL's ambition is, like not letting one surfer run out way too far in advance and create a controversy on finals day, but having a fairer mix of people in that top five running might be beneficial to the business and give somebody a nod in a situation like this. Yeah. Look, um, I think, I don't know about that. I think at the end of the day, um, 
there's been judging issues since you know the 1965 duke <laughs> you know what i mean like there have been judging issues in surf contests since day one and there will always be um I, the problem also, is is that because this event has an has a relatively objective wave a format exactly. to, to judge upon it's it's kind of highlighted even though it's very very thin like razor mart like i watched the gabe ethan heat i didn't watch it split screen which needs to happen but I had a hard time determining who won. Like they both just surfed insane, you know, they both surfed and I was looking, I, but yeah. And I was looking to give it to Gabe. Like I wanted Gabe to be right here and I'm not saying he wasn't, Yeah, I, but that one was a little tighter than yeah. the final. Yeah. Well, uh, that's where I think that maybe what you're saying is right. There is a subliminal North American bias that is affecting all decisions being made. But I think addition, additionally to that is there is a real incompetence that we're seeing played out in every event and in the kind of overall structure of the entire tour. There's a misunderstanding of what surfing is and what it can be and the role that it plays. And then just getting every little detail wrong along the way because the initial conceit is misunderstood. And so I think this is incompetence. I think it's incompetence from the top down where the top should say this wave pool creates yeah. an opportunity for objectivity. And here's the ways that we're going to make it yeah. more objective than it's ever been in the ocean. And then, yeah. and then holding the surfers accountable to it, holding the judges accountable to it, all of that stuff. There is no clarity in that way. Yeah. And which brings me to my next point, which is they need to address this controversy. If your top athletes are calling out the judges and saying there is not enough clarity and, and by the way, another thing that Gabe said, I forgot about this, was that the coaches, the athletes' coaches have contacted the judges directly and basically been given no information. They've contacted the judges and said, what do we need to do at this event? And they're not given direct information. They're not giving clear rules or criteria for what needs to happen. And so he's like, we just go out there and kind of wing it or do what the rule book says and we still lose and we do it, you know? So let I me, think clarity and addressing what, it from the WSL is what needs to happen today. What you said, I think is the, perhaps the most important and we maybe need to really highlight this is that there's incompetence and the incompetence is from the very top. And I don't mean Eric Logan. And what I look to is, in other leagues, like say the NBA, forever the Clippers were just horrible. Why? Because their owner sucked. Uh, the Chargers, great example. The Spanos family, shitty owners. Um, and throughout leagues, Major League Baseball, wherever you have an owner group or an owner, a specific owner, that's just horrible at what they do because they're not focused. That team generally sucks no matter how many great players they get. Like yeah. It starts from the top and then the top is Dirk. And I'm, and I just don't think, I think Dirk's, this is one of his many businesses. Obviously this one's probably like number, you know, 20 on the list of important ones. And he's like going here, Eric, handle it, dude. But it's got to come from, you know, somebody that cares. Like, and I, I think that's probably the, the big issue here is that the incompetence comes from the owner. Yeah. Not from the CEO. Cause we all know Eric is just like looking to the owner going, what do you want me to do? And they're like, equality, make yeah. it fair for the girls, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, you know, well, let me, so, uh, I let don't me, know. If, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, 
we've criticized the WSL for various things over the last couple of years. Um, and there's been this interesting dynamic where, and we've addressed this as well, where the athletes, you and I get a bunch of intel from people who either work in the organization or have worked and since left the, the WSL organization and athletes themselves too. So you and I have all this intel. We're limited on what we can really say explicitly and verify with fact on air, but we get a lot of this intel, right? Well, we're at a point now where the athletes themselves are finally speaking out. And what's happened, I think, to prevent that in the past is there's a few athletes, there's maybe five athletes who are on that very top who are making millions of dollars a year and they're benefiting from the tour despite the tour's shortcomings. And so they're not going to speak out because they are winning world titles, they're protecting a paycheck, all that. Everything below them are surfers who are not really get the only pay they don't have sponsors paychecks the only paycheck they have is contest earnings and so they're not going to speak out against the league because they want to protect those contest earnings and maybe they'll speak out after they fall off tour or whatever but that creates a really kind of uh interesting tenuous dynamic where the athletes the surfers the employees of the organization can't really speak out and then you have instances where one of them does bethany hamilton does and then she gets silenced ultimately and then athletes try to support Bethany and all of a sudden they get silenced as well. So you and I are kind of holding these. I don't these... know about who, who's getting silenced. Nobody's I, getting silenced. I mean, yeah, Instagram's I right there. If you, no, you no. Can chime that, in if you. I can give you two examples once we get off air, but one of the male, no, multiple of the male athletes ask to wear Bethany Hamilton's name oh. on the back of the jersey right. to support International Women's Day in Portugal. And not only was no, the jerseys not printed, they gave them another female's name on the jersey, right? And they were not, and they ultimately decided, you're right, they weren't silenced, but those surfers decided if I didn't get to wear the yeah. jersey that I want, I think that's pretty clear that I'm not allowed to speak about my preference, my supporting of Bethany Hamilton. So you're right, they could have taken yeah, to Instagram. But that's on them, right? That's on Correct. them. Like that's that's where courage comes in. Like, and yeah, you know what? You you could very well chime in on Instagram and your career is over, you know? And Correct. so maybe that's not, I'm not saying that's the best move. But I'm saying you weren't silenced. You chose not to speak. Uh, victim blaming, Scott Bass. <laughs> no. no, I'm just saying. I'm, well, you're, you're, Gabe's a great example. Gabe spoke, man. He had the. Well, now, so of course, he's in a fiscal position where he can pull it off. But that's what I, that's kind of the point that I'm getting to. Is you're absolutely right. Those people could have spoken up with enough courage, and you know, dismissing of their future paychecks. But we've been in a we've been in a situation where they never felt comfortable doing it in the past. We're in a situation now where it's gotten so egregious. The incompetency and the double kind of uh, sidedness of the WSL statements versus what they're doing has become so egregious <clears throat> that the world champs, including the current world champ, are speaking out about it. And and I think honestly, if the WSL doesn't take today or tomorrow as an opportunity to address the controversy. It will only embolden Gabriel Medina to continue to scream into the megaphone because who else is going to do yeah. it at this point? Well, a couple of things. First of all, um, I ask you this. Should Gabe Medina have waited about a week before he formulated this thing and sent this thing out? My answer to my question is yes. Probably should have waited. Was this the best way to bring this issue to light or should it have been 
again, I know they've asked the WSL in the past, but should it have been a more forceful, let's get Gabe, Elo, all the guys that chimed in on Gabe's Instagram that are pro tour guys, let's all request a meeting with Eric and Jesse and frankly, Dirk Ziff and, and get and hash this out in a private fashion. Now, if that doesn't get it, if that doesn't happen, then okay. Now I know that he said, look, managers have chimed in and asked for transparency. And we've just been told basically what he said is the WSL has given us their examples of why what they're saying is correct, but they're not looking at our examples of why what we're seeing is, isn't right. Um, but I'm just questioning, like one of my first thoughts to you when I saw this was, I'm going to ask David, was this done proper? Like, was this the smart way to do this? Um, Are the lunatics running the asylum? <laughs> and the well, answer is probably, probably yes, but it's not the lunatics you think. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know that that analogy, who you're referring to as the lunatics in it, but I, I don't have a problem with the way that Gabe handled this. I understand what you're saying is the way that Gabe handled this might enrage the mob of the internet trolls that will then send death threats. Which it did, which it absolutely did. It absolutely did. And I'm not sure it did any good. We'll see. I think it did very good. I well, I think that there is, yeah, the, the, the death threat. Well, no, I think it's starting this conversation and it's been a long time coming. And so to finally have athletes speaking their mind about this, I think is a good thing. Um, well, wait a like, minute. Like, what are we really asking about? What are they speaking their mind about? The, what they perceive to be shitty judging. Yeah. And like I said, there's been complaints about judging no. for 50 years. No, they're not complaining about the bad judging. They're complaining about it always uh, being bad the wrong way. They're complaining about it being seemingly how can we have three Brazilian, Brazilian champions? Why do we have three Brazilian champions in a row? Because they're that much better than the competition. That's what they would say in their mind. I mean, they've got three champions. Yeah. Like what, what's next? Like what, what else can we do? Like for the WSL, like, well, look, like what, what else do you want us to do? You, we've crowned three Brazilian champions in a row. Yeah, because they right? were. By the way, I feel like that's not right. Is that right? Is it Idolo, Gabe, it's, and Felipe? It's it's right. It might even be more than that. I forget who won the year before the Gabriel year that you're talking about. That might have been. That might have been a John no, John was, year. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um. Anyway. But, but I yeah. What you're saying isn't enough though. Like to be like, oh, at the end of the year, it all works out in the wash. So good enough. Because Gabriel's saying, well. To get to that point to win, there was eight other heats throughout the season that I should have won if it were objective that I lost. And so I had to do double the amount of work to get to my world title. That's not fair. That's not equal. That's I, I don't even say. know if that's correct. I don't even know if that's a correct statement. That's how they feel. I, I think Gabe Gabe's so fucking good that he just he wins lots of heats. If you look at his winning percentages through the roof. Well, that. That's exactly what, here, how by the way, here's the, here's the sentence that Gabe, here's what Gabe wants. Let me tell you, because these are Gabe's words right here. WSL needs urgently to clarify judging and apply equal and fair judging to the, for the progression of the sport. That's what he's asking for. Clarity yep. on judging. Yep. Which again, that's been happening for 50 years. Others are chiming in and going, you know, it's 
the WSL's desire for North American champion to be crowned because it's good for the business. And others are saying there's racism against Brazilians and dark people. And other people are saying, well, you know, like, but what Gabe's really saying is he feels like he got ripped off in the, at, at the wave pool. Yeah. Well, and, uh, you know, when I, when I say, so I gave the example of Gabe, maybe one lost heats that he should have won. You said no. Specifically, one thing that they were talking about was Felipe Toledo losing against Griffin Colapinto last year in El Salvador. So Felipe still went on and won the world title that year, but he lost an event. And by the way, that event, yeah. it's not just a heat loss. It's tens of thousands of dollars, the price difference between yeah. first and second. Yeah. So it's yeah. not just the title that they're thinking about. It's number of event wins in your yeah. history books, number of heat wins in the history books, number of dollars earned, you know, there's all that stuff that comes with it. Well, again, um, this is a great opportunity for surf dad or whoever to take those two winning waves from El Salvador and let's look at them split screen right now. Yeah. yeah. Like that's what Gabe's asking. Like, let's have this meeting where we're all like, let's get the resources together, have all the, have all the waves put together. Let's look at it all. Let's call a spade a spade or not. Yeah. But if we get, cause I agree. Uh, I think Felipe did get robbed in that event. Right. But you know what I'm saying? Like this should all have happened behind closed doors. Now, if they deny that meeting, if they deny that, which I doubt they would, then we have a reason to go, hey, they won't even talk to us about this. And I think he, Gabe sort of did mention that again. You know, he, he mentioned that, you know, the response by the WSL is to get defensive and, and yeah. give poor examples that illustrate only the WSL's point of view. So maybe he feels like we tried that and it didn't work. But I, I sense, I think Peter King or somebody said something really important, which is all we're asking is for more. This is really about transparency and judging yeah. and basically having, um, having some, some sessions with the judges and the athletes in a private situation where we look at, where we just, you know, like, you know, I tell you what, the judges are going to take, are not feeling so good right now. You know, like you think yeah. Ethan Ewing, thank God the judges are anonymous. I think <laughs> they're not, no, they're not. But I think it's so, a tough gig being a judge. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that this conversation is happening. Like you, you're, you asking me, did Gabe handle this correctly? He should have gone and asked for this meeting in advance. I don't know that Gabe did or didn't. But I do yeah. know, again, from kind of years of talking to people behind the scenes that the athletes are frustrated and even the athlete representative who I don't need to speak for him. Uh, but last year yeah. or the year before, if you know who it is, you know who it is. But the athlete yeah. representative did not feel like he was uh, being heard by the WSL side of things. So the athletes representative is to take ideas from the WSL, share them with the athletes, and then share the athletes feedback with the WSL. And some of this is in meetings where everybody's in the same room and often it isn't. But the WSL athlete representative, who's no longer on tour, felt incredibly frustrated and also felt unrepresented where he yeah. would take ideas from the athletes feed them back to the WSL and then the WSL would run with information and and changes to the format and this the organization that they said were approved by the athlete representative and the athlete representative turned around and said that's actually not what I said that's not what the athlete's interests were you you're basically <laughs> so and that was directly related to the mid-year cut and a bunch of other things so the dub and then felt um 
like his expressing, you guys are not representing our best interests. They basically silenced him in those conversations too. Like, oh no, that's exactly what you said. We're running with what you said. And he's like, no, I didn't. This is not. And then ultimately it creates a lot of pressure in that role and he falls off to her, you know? And so all of that yeah. stuff is suspect and feeds into the part of me saying that people feel like they can't speak out. Maybe they're not officially yeah. silenced to your point, but they feel yeah. as though they can't speak out. And that's a cultural Well, problem. you know what happens in other leagues? Other leagues at the end of the year, they have meetings. They have owners meetings. And that's what needs to happen. And this is just a case of the WSL is just trimmed. They've trimmed a ton of budget. But I guess my point is this. At the end of the season, there needs to be um, representatives of each athlete that's made the cut or however you determine. Maybe it's all 36 or whatever. But you acknowledge athlete representation from each athlete. Those acknowledged athlete representatives go to the quote unquote end of the year meetings with the entire WSL and they have an insane communication week where they have the judge, like it all just happens and all of this stuff gets flushed out. And oh, by the way, it gets reported on by surfing journalists, which there aren't really any anymore, to be honest with you. Like there, there's Although Stab's doing a pretty good job. Like, so Stab sends people down. They're there in those meetings too. Just like when the NFL has its winter meetings or Major League Baseball has its winter meetings. All of these leagues have their winter meetings where everyone comes together and they all kind of assess what happened, assess what can get better, and then vote on implementing changes that, you know, like, and that's the missing piece here is that there's just no communication protocol within the WSL to handle any of this stuff. And to just be a representative and call and go, I like a meeting. I want to vent some stuff and to do that and to think you're getting heard. And then you're not proves that that way doesn't work. What we need is massive end of season meeting with all the stakeholders. Yeah. So considering the problems that are inherent to the lack of communication and this rift between the athletes and the organization. I think that them taking to social media and putting it on blast and making it public is actually a very good move. And I'm glad to see the athletes finally doing it because these are all things that we've been discussing from behind the scenes. And even the people who report them to us don't want to be put on blast. And so there's this veil. It allows the WSL to continue, whether it is the corrupt blatant intentionally, you know, skewing the numbers or whether it is just incompetence, it allows them to continue down the path that they're on. And so finally kind of shedding a light on it. And especially from their current and former world champs doing it, I think is a very powerful moment. It's a powerful time in surfing. It feels like the implosion that you and I have been talking about is nearer now than it's been before. Let me ask you this. Speaking of other leagues, um, when somebody says something in the NBA that is detrimental to the health and well-being of the NBA, the commissioner has the opportunity to fine that athlete, to put some sort of sanctions on that athlete. And that's how you make sure that these situations don't get out of control and the whole thing implodes. Now, the WSL, I don't think, has that kind of power. Well, they do. Now, I know it's in their rule book that you're not. I mean, we can look at Joel, for example, Joel Tudor, and go, "Oh, well, they put sanctions on Joel." You know. Well, Lee, and Lee you and could I- certainly say, "Does Gabe deserve a sanction here?" Because, like, if you're the WSL, like that's how you kind of 
prove that you're a real league when you when you stand up and go, you know what, you're hurting the integrity of the league by saying these things are blatantly false or whatever. Like, so I'm not saying that that's the case. What I'm saying is, should the WSL does, is the WSL within its right to throw the idea of sanctions around for speaking out against the integrity of the league? You'd have to ask a lawyer because I feel like, and I feel like Gabriel Medina may have, I felt like his statement was very, did dodged the kind of dangerous points in the conversation and left it very, uh, I don't know what, I felt like he, he fell just on the side of it, not defaming the league and just pleading for clarity from a kind of sympathetic standpoint. So I think that he might've dodged any fine, but to your point that leagues do that, Leonardo Fioravanti got fined $60,000 for speaking poorly about the Apple Watch um, because the WSL rulebook, or I guess the surfer's contracts, does have something that states you're not allowed to disparage the brands associated. You know, if somebody's going to sponsor us and give us money, you can't speak poorly about the product. And so he did, saying the watches don't work. That's why I had problem in my heat and he got fined 60 K for that. So they may have a similar rule for something like this, but I don't think that Gabriel crossed the line. Yeah, I would agree with that. Now I, I have, I don't know in my, this morning I rewrote Gabe's letter to the the WSL. I don't know if we want to bore the listeners. I'd like to hear it. Well, look, let me be, I'll just go line by line and just, you can stop me. Gabe says, please understand the importance of this discussion. I, rewriting it for Gabe, I wrote, please understand relative to climate change, sea level rise, human rights abuses around the world, the killing of journalists in embassies with bone saws, and the ongoing war against democracy, most notably Russia's invasion of sovereign Ukraine, judging and surfing contests isn't really that important. (laughs) However... Surfing has been my life, and just like surfers all over the world, my love for the sport, this lifestyle, this culture is unconditional. Many of us put all of our hearts, frankly, our entire lives, our self-identity into surfing, and we want to have a beautiful legacy one day we can look back on in happiness in our hearts, knowing the oceans are healthy and thriving. I'll leave the democracy and human rights stuff to the other folks. However, the surfing community, especially in Brazil, based on my interactions with my fan base there, is mesmerized with the inconsistency of the WSL judging, and it seemingly been this way for many years, but it's lately been even worse. In my opinion, it's quite clear the WSL judging continues to reward seamless transitions, which I consider very simple surfing. While it would be absurd to suggest that the judges have taken critical turns in critical sections off the criteria, I'm frustrated that progressive high impact risk, high risk surfing isn't being rewarded enough. This is stagnating the sport. How am I doing so far? I rewrote Gabe's piece. It's less, um, <laughs> it's good. It's funny. Okay. So, but that last paragraph I want to highlight because what yeah. he actually wrote is I think wrong. What he actually wrote is right here. It is, um, Let me see. Where is that? He wrote something about, oh, he wrote, it's quite clear that the judging is now rewarding very simple surfing seamless transitions and have taken critical turns in critical sections off the criteria. I don't think that's the case. I think everyone agrees that if you're doing a critical turn in a critical section, that's part of the criteria. Gabe is specifically saying they've taken that out. 
Well, he might be referring to Idolo's repeated critical turns and critical, you know, areas. He might be, but he didn't. What he said is it's quite clear that they're now rewarding seamless transitions, which, by the way, they should be rewarding, and that they're not rewarding critical turns and critical sections, which I think we all agree, whether to what level or not, that that's certainly in the judging criteria. It's in there. He's just, I think, suggesting... I think, well, it, it's in the criteria still. I think that he's suggesting Idolo just did it a bunch of times and didn't get rewarded for it. So then uh, in my rewritten version, uh, Gabe suggested that I rewrite this for him. <laughs> he wrote, no one in the WSL fan base or sponsors want to leave. Therefore, I suggest we address the judging process openly with ongoing transparency through clinics and other means. Also, Important to note that many coaches and managers have had the opportunity to speak to the WSL after heats about progression and variety. And in my opinion, those voices have been brushed aside. I'm confident that after reading this, you will be more responsive. My request is simple. WSL needs urgently to clarify judging and appeal equal and fair judging to save the progression of the sport. Or better yet, Simply send the 12 best surfers to really high-quality waves around the world as swells pop up on the forecasting models. A tour held at perhaps 8-foot Candui or 10-foot Pipeline and 6- to 8-foot J-Bay and 10- to 12-foot Sunset Beach and 8- to 10-foot Puerto Escondido and 8- to 10-foot G-Land. I think you get the picture. You could save the money, save money by having the judges and commentators work remotely. Or, here's a twist, the judges and commentators are the same people. At the end of the heat, you compare the two best waves side by side in split screen format and break them down at three quarter speed for the whole world to witness and understand the judging process. Love, Gabe Medina. Beautiful. You're right. Yeah. You did better than he could. Well, I just I just added some flair. You know? Yeah. I think that sums it up and that solves a lot of it. Whether or not they have any interest in making those adjustments, I'm not confident, you know. No, I agree. Well, so let's really move. that last bit needs to come from Dirk. Dirk needs to sit down and go, "Hey, I've been hearing a lot about this Purple Blob tour. Let's yeah. let's rearrange this whole thing." I'm spending how much does he spend? Fifty million a year or something? I think they operate. Last I heard, they operate at a twenty million dollar loss. Well, look, he's got enough money to send the twelve best surfers to eight events with just waiting on the forecast model. And if you're a surfer or an athlete and you don't want to do that, then don't. There's yeah. there's definitely no lack of labor. Well, another thing that I would love to discuss, because by the way, if this controversy had not happened, we would be focusing yeah. a lot of the conversation on how boring and tedious the wave pool event is. And so I yes. think that that needs to be stated a little bit. We don't need to harp on it, but Jordy Smith, you know, before the controversy happened, he lost in the event early and then posted on Instagram, you know, this year's swimming gala is finally over for me. So I'm headed (laughs) off to El Salvador now. Jeremy Flores spoke about this kind of um, in post heat interviews at the pool in past years. What's happening here in this wave pool is um, the world's best surfers who've developed the world's most finely tuned skills are being completely nullified in this event. So to see Jordy Smith go down in the fashion that he goes down, by the way, John, John Florence to see John, John Florence go down in the fashion that he goes down really is head shake worthy. It's just like, drop your head, shake it and just be like, this is a disgrace for surfing. 
This is completely misunderstanding these people's talents. Like surfing is so unique and beautiful. And these people have kind of figured out the few waves in the world that nobody else could figure out. And they've geared their talents for those world for that world. And putting them in the pool is a complete, not only disservice to them, but a disservice to something that Gabriel talked about, which is progression. This is not progressive. If you want to progress the sport, if you want to see the best surfing on, you know, in the world by the best surfers, this format does not allow. And so, yes, I acknowledge that there's other athletes on tour, other surfers on tour who have also unlocked what you need to do in a waist high wave in a pool that allows them to showcase their talent as well. But it turns out that's not very interesting to watch. We don't, this would be, you know, those guys have F1 car keys and they know how to win those F1 events, but it turns out they also know how to drive a Ford Taurus really quickly too around an oval track. And so this is the Ford, this is a Ford Taurus versus a Camry in an oval track. And it's just not that interesting. It's not interesting to kind of nullify everybody's finest skill sets and just watch them be gymnasts. You know, this is well, a gymnast. Basically what it is, is, yeah, it, it's apples and oranges. It, it just really is. It's just two different things. And I would suggest to you that uh, the heats that I saw were um, incredible surfing was happening. Again, I, at the beginning of the show, I mentioned it was precise. It was specific. It was uh, on point. It was next level. Now, the problem is they didn't, they didn't, um, they didn't give credence to the high performance surfing that was happening out the back. I would suggest to you that if more surfers in this event did big moves out the back and got judged for it, got rewarded for the high risk, you might, you may see that move off into the ocean where guys are taking off at J Bay or wherever and doing high risk moves right off the bat and getting rewarded for it. Yeah, That's what's going to move the sport forward now. But I agree with you. It's apples and oranges. You can't, you, like, like Jordy fell. You know, like Jordy hasn't, isn't Jordy falls at the end of waves, you know, like now Jordy's, you know, so John, John, okay. Jordy's Jordy's too big for the waist high wave without ocean power behind it, you know? And it's, and and that's why it's apples and oranges. Cause I, I agree. Like I can see that Jordy's mad and I want to see Jordy at eight foot sunset or eight foot J Bay. I really do. And I get it that it's, this isn't his arena and I can see why that might make him a little bit upset, but it certainly is the arena for the four fi- semifinalists that were just going crazy. Now I'm not saying like it's, I agree it's boring all of that, but well, um, you can't say that the top four finalists weren't the best surfers in the world that day. Oh, I could absolutely. Ewing, Felipe, Gabe, and well, Idlo. Those are I, I the, would, some of the four best surfers in the world. I would put the quote around the world, the word surfers that day, because the fact that we're even having this conversation about who's doing something in a wave pool changes the the definition of surfer you know like so i would say that day no there was somebody in the ocean who surfed an insane wave at desert point that day that was way more spectacular than what we saw take place in the pool and that's kind of yeah that's kind of the exact point though and you you kind of state where there was phenomenal surfing happening that day when i tuned in in the semifinals and i'm gonna argue i i get the point i'm not taking away from the point that you're making but the fact that we even entered this conversation, put all of this criteria to shift to fully appreciate what it is in the pool, but we should not even be having this conversation. Because to be perfectly honest, 
I didn't watch the event and I didn't miss anything. And then I would get a notification and some, or I'd be scrolling Instagram and WSL goes, Oh, so-and-so just got a nine point ride. Here's the replay of the nine point ride. I would have to force myself to watch it. I'd honestly, every step of the way, my brain goes, scroll past, scroll past. And I go, no, I have a job to do here. I got to discuss it on the podcast. I need to know what the 9.07 look like. And I would force myself to watch this 60 second ride. And at the end of it go, I don't really have anything. It's not interesting. It was not good. It, you know, like sure that no. person figured yeah. out the gymnastic qualities required to do the thing. But when I get to the next post post and it is somebody at desert point getting shacked, I'm glued to see if they make, yeah. make the next barrel section. And so it's, yeah. you're right. It is apples and oranges and the oranges are rotten and crappy and bitter. Like they're not sweet. It's not worth eating yeah. the orange at this point, you know? Right. I agree. And even the nuances of the flavor of the orange, you have to be an orange expert to see the nuances. Now, if, for instance, there was a clip that came on your Instagram and it was like, and it said, watch John John Florence get a 10 as he busts, uh, you know, some crazy rodeo flip on the first section of the wave. I think at that point you might be like, oh, wow, that's actually something new and different here, even though the wave's shitty. I mean, you know, like we agree only, that it's kind of boring to watch. But if there's something insane happening, only barely. Okay, yeah. Only and barely. I agree. Look, I'm, the, I'm a fan of the Purple Blob Tour. I'm not arguing... Uh, for this thing. But I will say this and mark my words. I believe, David, that the Los Angeles Olympics will happen at the Kelly Slater wave pool. If you look at the Olympic events, like kayaking has man-made kayaking rapids. So they don't go to rivers for the kayaking in the Olympics. Snowboarding, guess what? That's a man-made half pipe. Skateboarding, guess what? Those things are set up, made. There's not some kid skating at the local Vons doing alley-oops across the stairs or whatever. And the International Olympic Committee is going to put pressure, and I believe is already putting pressure, on the ISA to make all surfing events in the Olympics at wave pools because it does a number of things. It helps with broadcasting. It helps with logistics. And it helps with getting um, potential host cities to be involved in this new sport in the Olympics. In other words, you know, if you have it in, you know, wherever, somewhere in uh, South Korea or wherever, or, or just a landlocked, you know, Austria, um, you're going to need wave pools. And, and, and I bet, again, mark my words that uh, LA is not happening at Trestles. It's happening at the Kelly Slater Wave Ranch. Yeah, that's a dystopian future, I suppose. I, I don't disagree with you. And I think that they all misunderstand the sport enough to where that could actually come to fruition. Uh, I just think it's a terrible misstep. I don't really care. See, I think there's listeners right now that are going, God, you guys are talking way too much about this stupid pool. It has nothing to do with surfing and I don't care. And I'm kind of like that too. I've, I mean, that's we're talking about it because it's our job to talk about it. But um I, I, I don't, you know, that's how I'm I started really... the conversation, dude. I wish I lived under the rock. I wish I, like I said, I avoided surf ranch event. And by the way, it was interesting. Uh, Barton Lynch, who I love, especially in the last couple of years, he posted on Instagram last night and he goes, Hey, I it's selfie mode confessional. And he's like, I know that you guys uh, wanted to hear my opinion. A bunch of people have asked my opinion about the Gabriel Medina controversy. 
And I was like, sweet. I saved it because I didn't have time in that moment, but I'm going to watch this later because I want to hear his opinion on it. So then I went back later when I had time and I watched it and he goes, I know you want me to weigh in on that controversy. Turns out I didn't watch the event, but I, I mean, I'll go back and I'll watch those waves that you guys are talking about and that Gabe talked about. But um, only when I have more time, I didn't do it yet. It's not really a high priority for me. And then I'll comment later on what I reveal or what I find out. And I thought, Barton, yes, me too. And wow, this is a real problem for the WSL is that without this controversy, this would have been, I would argue the lowest viewed event that they've ever run in the history of the, of the league. You know what I mean? Like nobody is watching this event. I don't know. It would be interesting to see the eyeballs. Um, well, they're going to lie about it. They never give you the real. And I will say that, that. <laughs> you're, you're so gnarly. <laughs> I will say this. <clears throat> One of the other good things about this event is when you go back to watch condensed heats, you just get four waves in a row. Like there's yeah. no like downtime. Yeah. Even in the condensed version, it's like bang, 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 bang. Do they show the wave from beginning cool. to end though? Yeah. Okay. That's good. Um, but it, it is problematic for the WSL that Barton Lynch, who's so tuned in to competitive surfing, is no longer watching their events. You and I, well, so tuned in, no longer watching their events. It's a big problem. This is the this brings me to my next point about this, which I wanted to I want to get your into your take on this. Is this actually the best thing that ever happened to the WSL? I mean, I, you and I, I was going to ask you that. Too. This has created so much controversy, mostly Gabe's doing, but people are engaged that might not be engaged. My wife's engaged. My wife's watching the heat and going, oh yeah, you know what? Elo did beat Griffin, you know, or it looked like it. I don't know. You know, or what my point is we're engaged. Like, you know, you're the king of, um, you know, no, there's no such thing as bad news, you know, like yeah, that's bad sort of an axiom in, in the <clears throat> social media world that we're in the age that we're in. I, I thought about that too. And that's why I said a minute ago, like nobody without this controversy, nobody would have been talking about this event. We would have been rehashing yeah. the old storyline of man, the wave pool is so boring and tedious, you know, but now everybody is talking. And by the way, people are watching those last two waves. Unfortunately, they're doing it on old surf dad's uh, YouTube account <laughs> and not on the WSL's YouTube account. So the WSL isn't even registering those fans or views, but um, you're right to a point it is well speaking it's, speaking of old surf dad and uh, what are your thoughts and i think i know them on the idea that i mentioned where each and every event that we have no matter where it is we have split screen slowed down um, versions of each scoring ride with the judges literally t making their points of distinction and their clarifications on all of this. Go ahead and sneeze. Sorry. Yeah. I, it went away. God bless you. Let all of the uh, evil spirits that came out of you be blessed. That's what God bless you is about. Did you know that? That started no, because when people sneeze, they thought it was bad spirits being expelled. That's funny. Anyway, um, what are your thoughts on, yeah. on split screen? Like, are, is there a negative to this? Like, does it, inhibit the surfers in the water from catching the next wave you know like what are your thoughts on this a split screen three-quarter yeah, speed it uh so there's a way to do it i think it's necessary and essential yeah. and there is a way to do it and the way to do it would be at the end of the heat let two surfers go out and battle it out for 30 minutes and then after yeah. the heat is over review that all the or not all the waves review 
the two best oh, waves. The top two. Yeah, the top yeah. two waves from the top two surfers. You could do it side by side. You're not feeling yeah. pressured. And the other thing that this yeah. supports is that it um takes away all of the subjective variables that I spoke about 45 minutes ago. So the yeah. wave at the end of the heat when somebody needs a score and the pressure is on often gets juiced, you know, because of yep. that pressure situation. Well, now yep. if you're doing it after the fact, then it uh, you are allowed you can kind of view that versus the first wave just without any of those external factors and just see which wave is more critical and better. Well, I heard Peter Mellon, the other guy, the the gentleman that speaks multiple languages, I forget his name, but he's a really pretty good commentator, mentioned the fact that the judges actually understand that there's more pressure on the guy that's getting his last wave of a heat with, you know, 30 seconds left and that they might um, upjudge that and that they might, and that it might be okay to upjudge that. Like that's actually understanding the added pressure on this in the surfer's headspace. It's worthy of noting that under pressure he performed. What do you think about that? I think it's stupid because <laughs> Well, because Wait, uh, that's good. I, I, I just wonder what you're, yeah, it's, it's super stupid because somebody who's, um, grown beyond that, let's say, and is now immune to that pressure would be in theory by that rationale deducted points. Somebody like Joel Parkinson, who was so seamless and smooth, you know, that he was defying uh, what anybody else showed, showed, um, he was just so smooth. He got underscored. Like he's doing things that are so critical and gnarly. Other people it looks like it's critical and gnarly because they're just learning how to do it. Joel's so far beyond that, that he was just doing it seamlessly. And then the judges didn't realize, oh man, that was a really critical turn. So they would underscore him. And so that would kind of lead into what you're talking about. If you're seeing the jitters and you're impressed that the surfer got past the jitters and pushed through, then that's not as impressive as somebody who doesn't have jitters at all and just goes out and blows it out. You know, another question for you. It seems to me that if ever there was to be a time when a new, uh, iteration of a world tour, uh, manifest itself by say somebody like, for instance, uh, Nick, the GoPro guy who cashed in for multiples, um, or a combination of guys that have tech money or whatever, and that are surfers got together and like basically combed through a spreadsheet and said, you know what, we have a five-year plan to make this a business. If it doesn't, we'll unplug it after five years. But this idea that Scott and David are talking about, this idea that we just take the 12 best surfers in the world to high quality waves uh, six times a year or eight times a year and we monetize it however we monetize it. Is this the best time to reach out to Gabe Medina and go, hey, we need you as an anchor. And, you know, we, we need basically we need three or four anchor surfers to be of the 12. And are you in? Like, does it feel like? Yeah that would, this is like that moment. And yes. do you think even in your craziest imagination, are, are these discussions being had by, yes. by whomever yeah, you do he, believe that? I do believe that. And absolutely. Um, now is the time Peter King has, um, 
referenced this. I haven't had a personal conversation with him yet, but he referenced this publicly on Instagram that there is something like the live tour for golf that mm-hmm. is currently being developed and we'll see where that ends up. But I think not only has the WSL left a wide enough gap in the market to do something like that. I think that the athletes are poised to be more willing to jump onto that other tour. It would, the, the one missing component right here that the live tour would need to build into it is clout that comes with winning that tour because the John John and the Gabriels of the world still want to win world titles. So they're thankfully at a point removed where they don't need the WSL to earn a paycheck anymore. They're going to continue to earn millions of dollars a year off surfing with or without the WSL. So that part is removed, but they still, the reason why they need the WSL and want the WSL is to earn more world titles than the other one, you know, to there's a, there's well, an what, ongoing. I mean, you would have to at some point buy into the fact that the new tours world title yeah. is in fact, legitimate and it, so we know live, we could get jordy like jordy's an anchor i guy, think right? dude i, I jordy's honestly, like the phil nicholson he's like jordy you know you could maybe get gabe because gabe doesn't need the money no and that's what i'm saying i think you going i think you can get kelly i think you can get john john oh you I, can't get kelly kelly's involved in in the wsl dude kelly is way you're not getting kelly i think look Kelly would have to assess that business. He's already out. My point is he already re- didn't requalify oh, for the tour. Yeah, He's already looking at retirement. And if the top surfers in the world go and do this thing, you don't think he would want to play in that world? No, that would blow my mind just because he has too many relationships and too much. I think he has business interests. He does. Of course, we know he does with the KS Wave Ranch. So I don't think Kelly's a get, but I, well, I, I, we know that Jordy's a possible get. I mean, if we made possible gets, we know Jordy... Um, we know uh, potentially Gabe and frankly, potentially a lot of the Brazilians, you know, like well, I bet you could get Kyle. I don't think Kyle's invited. <laughs> I think he is. I think he, you need 12 surfers. I think Kyle's, Kyle's proven that, uh, you know, he could be. Look, I think if you, I'm, I'm, like, if you said, because you know, you don't want to get the 12 best in the world, according to the WSL, but I, I think Kyle, Kyle's Kyle's number twelve. If you put a million dollar, listen, check this out. If you, you got money, you if you put a million dollar prize purse and yep. a world champion of this new tour title that goes yep. with it, and you say we are running at these six waves around the world, no, in you, the, you don't determine the waves. You don't in, determine the waves. The waves are determined by the swell in a premium swell window. So we're going to run in pumping surf. And there's a million bucks on the line. Gabriel's coming. John John's coming. Jack Robinson's coming. Um, Italo and Felipe, I don't know. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. But I think that with those couple of marquee names, then you can get – and Jordy is well, by the, the way the dominoes, The dominoes fall once you get those guys. Then exactly. everyone's like, I'm in. Exactly. That's why it's key to get anchor, You know, four and, anchor guys that are like, I'm doing it. And so let's say that this happens in 2025 or whatever, 2024. So these two tours are existing simultaneously and we're saying which title has more clout. I'm telling you that live tour title, the clout of winning that event or winning that title in those conditions against those guys versus what the WSL is doing by running in beach breaks and running in wave pools. And they don't have those marquee names anymore. There's no question that that live title has more clout in that year. Yeah. Well, 
it's got to be, there's too many people talking about this, uh, you know, for it to not be, I think, on on somebody's brain, you know? Yeah. By the way, you asked, we were talking about how many um, consecutive Brazilians have won world titles. 2022 was Felipe Toledo. 21 was Gabriel Medina. 19 was Idolo. 18 was Gabriel Medina. So that's four. And then 17 was John John Florence. Who was 16? John John. Okay. Yeah. So the last four have been Brazilians. Yep. So while there um, probably needs to be, there does need to be clarity in judging. Uh, and maybe there's some subconscious push towards North American surfers. Maybe. Uh, the, the end result would suggest to you that it, it's evening out. Yeah. But, um, the next event takes place on June 9th, which is two Fridays from now. Going to Brazil? No, El Salvador. Oh, there's an event in El Salvador? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we will discuss that next week. You know where week. it's going to be pumping June 9th, by the way? Where? Can do it. Yeah. Indo is going to be pumping. Yeah. I got to just look at the fucking map. I know. Um, <laughs> now, well, by the way, El Salvador is going to be pumping too. Pro- potentially. There's probably some good Southwest energy in the Southern Hemisphere. Oh, um, so- Southern Ocean. The other news story from this last week that we've been tracking is I believe that Stab in the Dark might have finished this. Oh, yeah. Did you watch it? I did. I watched it. Okay, good. I did not. You didn't miss much, really, to be honest with you. What what you found out is that they didn't even ride the last four boards. They just he just picked his winner based on his previous ride. What? Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Why did they Unless not I ride didn't the- watch it as deeply? He he was just so in love with the CI that they just showed old clips of him riding the boards. I think you- I hope I'm not. Maybe I'm. Let me. I think well, that's what happened. Okay. Well, I was going to say we could discuss it next. We could discuss it next week because I had not. I did not watch it yet, but I did hear um, prior to I the episode it. airing that CI won. So I watched it and let me see if I can get to it. Okay. Well, I will state uh, that makes Brit America three time stab in the dark winner, which is the most wins ever. There's a couple of other two time winners. And so congratulations to Brit and the team at CI for pulling that one off. Um, that's a pretty big win. And like I said, there's footage or imagery of Italo in Indonesia from the week before surf ranch. And he was riding channel islands boards down there. So I think that's a pretty big feather in their cap. Sorry, I wasn't listening to you. I was trying to find this. Well, one thing that you might be interested in, Scott, uh, is we've been tracking the Shaper rankings for the WSL events. And it's shifted based on this Lamar event. Uh, Matt Biolis now sits in first position. Obviously, Griffin Colapinto rides his boards. Carissa Moore rides his boards. Yago Dora rides his boards. And Caroline Marks, who also made the final, rides his boards. So he gained a bunch of points and leapfrogged into the first position. DHD is now in second due to Ethan Ewing's good result here. Sharp Eye moves down to third. Channel Islands moves to fourth. And Pizel is in fifth. All right. Well, that's good to know. Look, um, these are F1 surfboards, and these are the guys that make them. So great shapers, all of them. 
Yeah, Matt Biolis, congrats. And then, of course, Britt Merrick, congrats on the stab in the dark win. Um, man, it's uh, that's I'm I will go back and watch the stab in the dark final episode, but I'm really disappointed to hear your take on it that they really didn't end with a banger. Maybe I, I, I hope I'm not, I, I hope I'm not misspeaking here. Maybe you just watched like a preview for the episode or not the full episode. Is that possible? No, I watched the whole episode and I, I thought for, I thought they, anyway, we'll see. Did, right? Maybe we'll the, maybe the it. waves went flat and he had to just, I make think a that's call. what happened. <laughs> I think, I think so, but I don't know. I, I, I mean, why would that be stuck in my head if that not something I heard, but yeah, I don't know. And and the footage is all footage that looks like old footage, basically. I just don't understand why you can't speak on with absolute clarity on it. Why is it murky in your mind? Because <laughs> I was just kind of vaguely. Oh, uh, okay. I don't know. Okay. I did uh, watch it actually. <laughs> that should be a concern. <laughs> I mean, you either watched it or you didn't. I don't know. If you did, just kind of. My takeaway was they didn't. Elo <laughs> didn't surf the boards again. Crazy. That's insane. That's the whole point of this project. Why would they not? <laughs> what? Again, this is why I'm worried that maybe I'm getting it wrong. I don't want to poo okay. what Stab did. All right. Well, we'll come back and report on it next week then. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, look, David. Great show. A lot going on here. I hope we didn't bore too many non-WSL fans with uh, the discourse today. But uh, until next time, adios and aloha. Says my son, it's all been done. Someday gonna wake up old and gray. Go and try and have some fun. Showing warmth to everyone. Need and greet, cheat along the way. There's a gateway in our minds that leads somewhere out there, far beyond this place. Cut you open, pull out all your pain Tell me how you make it legal Something that I'll make and I'll pray Some say you might go crazy Then again it might make you go Every time I take a look inside that old fable book, blinded and blinded up, pain caused by some old man in the sky. Marijuana, LSD, psilocybin, DMT, they all change the way I see. Love's the only thing that ever saved my life. Mind on nursery rhymes, fairy tales, blood and wine, turtles on the way down the line. So to reach the rounds, we go home, but the realms our souls must roam to and through.
And don't forget to post your job for free at linkedin.com slash surf. That's linkedin.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.